BTB listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's episode. Listen, if this episode inspires you, do me a favor, take five seconds to shoot me a like and subscribe to the podcast. There are several more exciting guests that are in the pipeline, and I just can't thank you enough for your continued support, and let's keep paying the mission forward. In today's episode, I interview Ethan Phillips, a musician whose journey comes from Georgia, and he now resides in Nashville, Tennessee. Ethan's songs reflect not just his experiences, but the dreams of a soulful artist aiming to make a difference. In today's conversation, Ethan influences his songwriting process and the impact he aims to create with his music. From humble beginnings to Nashville's vibrant music scene, Ethan's journey is one of passion, determination, and love for storytelling through song. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ethan, and he was kind enough to share one of the songs that he wrote that we talk about in the podcast, the way they wanted him to live, which I have at the end of this episode and highly recommend you check out. Don't be afraid of the dark. Be careful with stars. Not every light is gonna guide you, Welcome to the BTB Project, designed to empower listeners to identify their why and to live their best lives no matter the circumstances. My name is Coleman Gerhardt, a former athlete and motivational coach. I've had the opportunity to inspire thousands through my story and help accomplish what they are built to be. You'll be encouraged by each and every episode, and let's get into it. Yeah, when I blow up, I'm a so high like Peter Pan. In real life, be living all my dreams. If I'm waking up, it's in a foreign land. I have a opportunity today on the BTB project to spend some time learning about a gentleman that I believe has a golden voice. His passion and enthusiasm to showcase his talent through a microphone with a guitar is unprecedented. And it brings me a tremendous honor. A gentleman that has reigned from Georgia, but is spending some time in Nashville recently, absolutely crushing the microphone through organizations like Songhouse, and I can't wait to get into his story. Mr. Ethan Phillips, welcome to the BTP no, Project. It's an honor for me. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So I gave away the reins of where you're from, Georgia, and you said mountains and the, the cold that we were talking about before we hopped on, and I would just love for you to start, how did your voice and your passion for the type of music you sing resonate with where you came from? Yeah. Growing up in, in the Appalachian Mountains in general, there's music everywhere. Tons of bluegrass and, and gospel music, country music, obviously. But I, I definitely was, was raised around it everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. Even if people didn't know it professionally, everybody played just for enjoyment. And, and if you didn't, you sang. Even if you didn't sing good, you say, and uh, no, I was very blessed on that front to, to be surrounded by such great talent and people who were very supportive and, and uplifting. If they found out you played, they gave you every, every opportunity to play. I, I mostly gravitate toward country music, but, um, dad had a bunch of old cassettes and old Merle Haggard and Don Williams and, and stuff like that. And then mom had more of the classic rock stuff. Okay. 
and out of her stuff, I gravitated toward the James Taylor and Jim Croce and that kind of stuff. And, and then just absolutely love bluegrass from just being grown up around it. And so it definitely was a mix of all that, that you, the product of where you come from. And I'm proud of that. I love where I grew up and I know people that want to get away from, I never wanted to leave Clayton, Georgia necessarily, but I know to do what I wanted to do. I had to, but I always want to carry that with me. I love where I'm from and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And I had an opportunity through Tyler Ward, who is one of the co-founders of Songhouse, who I got to grow up with here in Colorado and fortunately had him on the BTB project. And when I learned about the Songhouse concept, he said to me, Hey, check out some of the artists. And if there's some folks that resonate with you, I'd, I'd be happy to make an introduction, which is how we're here today. But the reason why I was so intrigued by you, Ethan, is I come from some ties of the Southern draw of actually Tennessee. My mom grew up in Savannah, Tennessee, Wow, just outside of Memphis. And I just remember growing up and going to my grandparents and they lived on a, a lake uh, called Pickwick Lake and everyone talked in a very particular way. And it made me start falling in love with the country scene and some of the bluegrass that you've spoken about. And your voice just reminded me a lot of music that my mom loved. Wow. So with that said, man, I think it's really neat to know that you found your passion. You obviously know you have a skill set, which is why I took your talents out of state and kind of got uncomfortable to go after your goals and dreams. But when did you know you had a talent, Ethan? Because when I look at you, man, this is just, I think the most awesome part about you is if people didn't hear you sing, they'd have no idea that you had that talent and you just are able to, with that big smile on your face, man, and, and, and a gentle heart from what I get from you, I think it's really tremendous, your persona and your passion. I'd love for you to tell the listeners about how you came across being able to sing, man. I'll, I don't really consider myself the greatest singer by any means. And I'm not saying that to be humble. I, I know a lot of great singers. I more or less started singing out of, I don't want to call it boredom, but when I first started playing guitar, uh, I started playing banjo before I played guitar. But when I started playing guitar, I just wanted to be able to communicate these songs that I love. And then when I first started writing songs, obviously I'm all like, you got to sing them to let people hear what they sound like. The first time I ever remember really, I sang growing up, but I remember being in like music classes in middle school and stuff and auditioning for a little chorus class with the John Denver song. And yeah. But why? Well, but I'm probably the only middle schooler that knew John never was at the time. And <laughs> just throughout high school, I really felt college was really what I fell in love with actually more singing and, and start because I, I feel like you try to copy people so much, it takes you a while to find out your strengths and, and find out what you're good at. I don't have a great range or anything like that. I, I have a very specific thing that I can do, but you just got to work with what you have and use that to the best of your abilities. A lot of my favorite singers weren't great singers. They were just great communicators. And I think just delivering the song is more important sometimes than being able to 
show off what all you can do. I guess that's more or less where I land with all that. Now, that's awesome because it sounds like it really came organically, that it wasn't something that you, you didn't quite know exactly how intense or passionate you would become about it. But it makes me think of when I was growing up playing tennis, I had a lot of people looking at me because I hadn't honed in my craft yet that were like, there's no way this guy is going to be able to play college tennis. and. I remember walking around with that and being like, gosh, what am I capable of? I have this passion, but everyone's saying I can't do it. So am I going to lead with this passion or am I going to conform to what people think about me? And when I share that, you're being humble, but your particular niche with what you do with your music, in my opinion, it's world-class. So did you ever have people that maybe poked your buttons or gave you a hard time about what you did as a musician and how were you able to overcome that? The only thing I can ever think of in that vein is one, one time I was playing bluegrass because I, I love so many different styles of music and I never focused on one long enough to be very proficient at one, but I love finger picking like James Taylor kind of stuff. I'm not a great flat picker. I remember once time there was this fellow we were playing bluegrass and he goes up and we had stopped and played something outside he said i believe i'd stick with that finger picking stuff and and just leave the bluegrass stuff <laughs> but that's the but no it wasn't like he was being mean or anything he, in his mind he was being helpful but yeah. that, that didn't really like change the course of my life necessarily but i'm probably pretty blessed on that front i've never really had anybody just be mean or or anything like that but no, I'd, most for the most part, people are pretty encouraging about it or, or they just don't say nothing at all. I love it. No, I think that simplicity and, and it might have to do too with the part of town you grew up in. I know that the Southern hospitality and most people, you give them the benefit of the doubt, but it seems like you grew up with a lot of kindness in your community. And that was probably a tremendous support to where you are and having your family support. But oh, yes. with that, yeah, with that all said, now you get to this point where and I'd love for you to talk about that transition from Georgia to Nashville and what were some of the insecurities you were feeling in that moment? Because that's a big risk, man, to uproot and go from your hometown to go after your goal. I'd love for you to share it with the listeners about what that decision meant for you and how do you feel like it's impacted you today? Uh, it definitely was. It, it was tough to move because like I was saying earlier, I never necessarily wanted to leave home. But at the same time, I had met, there was a songwriter from Gainesville, Georgia, that I, that was meant a lot to me. His name was Bruce Burge and he had been up here in the nineties and had some Reba cuts and written some, co-written some great songs. And he had eventually moved back to Georgia and they would put on every year. There was another songwriter from his same town that also had a lot of success. His name was John Gerard. So they would have these events in memory of John. And they would raise money for scholarships. And I had met a, one year he asked me to come and be a part of that event and play a tribute to John and play one of his songs. And they have four songwriters from Nashville, hit songwriters come and play at that event. And that was in 2019. And, and I remember, and I'm a huge Brad Paisley fan. Brad Paisley's early stuff, especially is the first CDs I remember having were Brad Paisley. But there, 
there was a songwriter by the name of Lee Thomas Miller that was there and he wrote some Brad songs. He also wrote In Color by Jamie Johnson and You're Gonna Miss This and just a ton of phenomenal songs. Hmm. And uh, anyway, he was the last push that, and even though I didn't play any original songs that night, I, before the show started, we were sitting over to the side and I, I was playing my guitar that I had just bought. And he'd come over to me and we started talking and, and I knew his name, but I didn't know what he looked like until I, we shook hands and he, he really offered a lot of encouragement. And after the show was over, he come to me and I told him, I, it was a pleasure to meet him and everything. And he said, and I told him that I was wanting to move. And he said, you just, he said, my advice to you is that if you, this is all you can see yourself doing in life, he said, then do it. He said, but if you have a plan B, he said, just go ahead and do that. He said, but if you absolutely cannot, he said, because it's going to take a lot of work and time and some people just don't want to put up with it and they can't handle the rejection, all that kind of stuff. But he said, there's, you can be the best thing that North Georgia has to offer, but that's most likely the best that you're going to be. And he said, you'll never reach your full potential of what you can be until you move to Nashville. Wow. He said, there's no education, there's no school or anything that can teach you or experience that can teach you what you'll learn from being there. And I really took that to heart and ended up moving. And I, at the time I'd written a bunch of songs, but it wasn't like I was a master songwriter by any means, but really believed in it. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I ended up moving. I got my le- apartment like November of 2019, the very end of November, but I came on for Christmas and stuff and didn't really move full time until January of 2020, just in time for a tornado and a pandemic and a bombing and what kind of other crazy stuff. Yeah. You, uh, a lot of world events going on all in Nashville. It seemed like after you made that, that bold move, but that, that mentorship that you got that moment where someone spoke into your life. Did you ever feel like you were going to look back and either have regrets of making that decision? Were there some, were there some hard times or did you always just lean on those words of wisdom? I have definitely, since I have been here, there have been a couple of instances where I have got in my head about, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people Hmm. and peers and stuff. I have so many friends that are just phenomenal and you hear me, I have no business doing this. Anyway, and so there was definitely a season of that, and that's a story all on its own. There was a life altering event that happened with that. I was going through a season of that, and not, and I hadn't told anybody about it. I was just really dealing with it on my own, and it was to the point where I was like, I'm just gonna go home. And I never told anybody, I was just keeping it myself. Yeah, and I will never forget, I was sitting on, I was going to meet a friend of mine to listen to music one night, and I was standing on DeMombrian Street. Which is where, if you've ever been to Nashville, there's a little statue and a roundabout at the end of the street, and everybody makes fun of that statue. If you see it, you'll know why. But, uh, there's a, I was sitting on that street, and I was in my head waiting on them to get there. And I looked up, and there was a lady standing probably six feet from me, and she was talking to a couple of guys. She had a bright salmon colored shirt on. And she, stumbled over to me and she was obviously pretty drunk. Yeah. She 
shuffled over to me. She had headphones in and I was playing on my phone. I really didn't feel like talking to you. I really didn't even want to be there listening to music. I was playing on my phone. She stumbled over to me and she started trying to hug me and it was just touched me and all this stuff. And she said, Hey, she said, you're a good person. She said, you got a good heart. And I just looked at her and I said, well, I, I appreciate it. And I was trying to get her gone on her way. And, and she said, you're a musician. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you could probably say that to anybody on this street right now. And they'd say, yes. Right. You're Bethel, Tennessee. Big capital of the world. Yep. <laughs> she said, you play guitar and you write songs. And I said, I try to. And I was still playing on my phone at this time. And she said, you doubt yourself all the time. And when she said that, I looked up at her. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Her whole demeanor completely changed. She went from being this just blatant drunk to the most stone cold sober person I've ever seen in my life. And I looked wow. at her and I said, what did you just say? And she said, you've gotten to a point where you're too worried about what other people think about it. So what God thinks about it. And I looked at her and I about started crying. And I said, I and she started telling me things that I have never talked to anybody in my life about. And I looked at her and I was about to lose it on the street. And, and she ended the, we had this five minute conversation. She ended it the same way she started. She said, you're a good person. She said, you've got a good heart. And she said, and I don't want you to end up where I'm at. And she's stumbled off down the street and she said, God loves you. And she stumbled off down the street. And as soon as she walked away from me, she went back to her original state of, of being drunk and stumbling off down the street. She got probably. 15 or 20 feet from me. And the person I was waiting on walked past her on the street. So they crossed paths and the person I was waiting on waved. And I took my eyes off that lady for maybe three seconds. No joke. Five at most. Turned around and looked back. She was gone. And I could not get over that. I thought about that for days of weeks and I still think about it, but she, and then a couple of days later, the, the friend that I was waiting to on that night to play music or listen to music with, we were playing. I brought it up to her and I, I when you walked up to me the other night, I said, did you see that lady that was talking to me? I said, you couldn't have missed her. She was wearing a bright, bright salmon shirt and she walked, stumbled off down the street after she talked to me and she said, no, you standing by yourself when I walked up to you. Wow. And I just, it made me a wreck. I've heard stories. And then that Sunday, I went to church. I had not told anybody at the time. I went to church and the preacher preached on heavenly interruptions. Yep. And I was like, it was just one thing after another. And after that, I really got over that. Comparing yourself and doubting. Like I, it was, I, after that, it really made sense. It wasn't. But it all no, I love it. Isn't it amazing how God gives us those proverbial nudges when we need oh, yeah. them? It can oh, yeah. through other people, it can come through tragedy, it can come through joy. But one thing that I know with comparison, this is one of the greatest quotes that was said to me while doing this podcast is comparison is the teeth of our joy. Oh, yeah. And for someone like you, salmon colored shirt, that moment probably changed the entire trajectory oh, yeah. of your life. 
And it's those types of moments. I think that's why it's so special to have a story like that, because you're going to come across a lot of people in your life, including people that are listening to this today. And they're going to need to hear something like that because they're in the comparison game right now, or they're really struggling on a decision that they made that was really tough and maybe want to go back home. So with that said, Ethan, when it comes to impact and your music, what is your goal with trying to help people as a musician? I try to write songs that they say to write what you know about. If if nothing else, I don't want people to look up to me. I don't, I, I just want people to look up who I'm looking up to. Mm. And so I, above all, I, I think that's what I want to accomplish with my music. I, I don't, and I don't want to write, sing things or do things that jeopardize that or contradict that. I don't want to lead folks to, to think one way and then do something else. Above all, that would probably be my main objective with it now you've had some pretty significant achievements in your career thus far and i know one of those big ones was opening for sawyer brown and that was a significant achievement for you i'd love for you to talk about how you came across that opportunity and what did it mean for you to take that stage that that was another situation of definitely local community just trying to help you out and put you on a stage that you probably didn't have any business being on, but they know that there was, it was actually in the county below where I'm from, but it's like a second home, but they, there were some folks that I knew that were putting on that event and they gave me the opportunity. It actually got supposed to be in 2020 and it kept getting pushed back and, and, but no, that was the first time that I had ever done anything like that. And it was a very awesome opportunity and, and especially to get to share my music with a crowd like that. And so I'm very thankful for it. I didn't really get to spend much time with the band. I got to shake a couple of their hands and I, I'm a big vinyl. I see that. I actually just bought my son a record player for Christmas. He's into the hip hop scenes. What the, yeah, it's that's a, awesome, man. The money pit. <laughs> I got them to sign. I had a Sawyer Brown record. I got them to sign. I've been meaning to hang it up. I want to, if I ever get to open for somebody and they have a record, I want to like start doing that, get autographs of people that I open for on record. They know it was really cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I love it. I know you've shared some other musicians that you're very passionate about that you respect, but when it comes to maybe the Holy grail of being able to open for someone. Uh, I know John Denver is no longer around, but what's a name that comes to mind that uh, would absolutely be a, a bucket list for you? If I got to pick the two people that are alive, that if I ever even just got to meet them, let alone open for them, is Brad Paisley and James Taylor. And they're, I don't even know that I could keep myself composed long enough to sing a song knowing this. <laughs> but uh, th- those are the two people that, that I respect the most that are still playing or still with us. And uh, yeah, I've seen James Taylor in concert three or four times, four times, several times, however many. And uh, I've only got, I've seen Brad three times and it's just, they're incredible. I just love them. I feel like I wouldn't even be able to shake their hand. I just have to give them a hug or something. I <laughs> 
Yeah, where you miss the handshake and try to shake with the other hand. You say, the heck with it. I'm just going to give you a bear hug. Security right? guard here. <laughs> like I'm going to tackle. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, one thing I've noticed about you when I watch you play music is you have such an unbelievably relaxed demeanor where I know artists sometimes get into the song and that's their happy place. But there's a lot of inspiring musicians out there, Ethan, that are trying to maybe deal with nerves or being anxious on the stage, whatever it may be. Do you have some advice or tips or tricks that have allowed you to have some of that relaxed calmness up there? I, I definitely... And I still get nervous, depending on the situation. I, uh, it sneaks up on me now. It happens when I least expect it. But I, I guess it just comes from you do it, do it enough to where it wears off. I, I don't know. But probably just to get up there and do your thing. You, you do you better than anybody else. So just rely on that and lean into it. I guess it's like anything. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. You're so that's probably terrible advice. Just keep doing hey, it. Nah, man. I think the reason why I appreciate how you responded to that is sometimes we're always looking for this secret sauce, this amazing kind of cliche thing to make us perform better. I see it all the time in, in athletics. Oh, yeah. Kids that I coach want to have this secret sauce. Oh, yeah. And the most successful people that I've been around are ones that are able to perform and not overthink because when they overthink, they're not performing. Exactly. No, that's, that's very true. Yeah. And it's always funny to me when you see these professional athletes who just did something heroic and the commentator goes up to them after the game and puts a microphone in their face and says, how'd you do it? And for them to explain the unexplainable, everyone's different. And being able to trust yourself to be able to lean into that is what resonates to what you just said, because there's a lot of failure that you've probably experienced in your life. There's a lot of coming up short. There's a lot of mistakes maybe off cue or missing a note, whatever it is. Oh yeah, definitely. But through all of those reps and the future of your music career, I'd love for you to walk us through what success looks like for you, Ethan Phillips. Why'd you make this change to Nashville and what would be the overall story of success that you would like to share? I've never really took time to, in my mind, I, I feel like you have little successes along the way that, that add up and make it worth it. But probably at the end game is just to, to make music that I love and, and stay true to, I don't want to hear all these horror stories of people. They feel like they're trying to stay relevant and, and do things that, that make them relevant and then keep them in the limelight. But I, more or less, I just want to be respected by my peers or, and even if not that, I don't def necessarily strive to be this big star of making these world tours and arenas. I know that's probably a terrible business plan, but if that happens, I will gladly do it. But I don't, I'm, 
I would be much more comfortable being the guy behind the scenes or writing the songs or, yeah. and I'm getting to play these little cool little venues or something like that. If whatever happens, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And then whatever comes out of that, I'm not going to have these high hopes. And if it doesn't happen, feel like I have failed because just the fact of being able to be here and do it in general is a win. I'm truly appreciative for it. And to be able to afford to stay up here and do what I love it. There's and even if I fail, the people that I have met and the relationships that I have built have made it work. There, there's nothing like it. It's a community all of its own of like-minded people. And every and you hear these stories of people really trying to tear each other down, and it's really cutthroat. And it may be like that, but I have not experienced that. It's very loving, and and everybody loves on everybody and supports them. And it so most of all, I I, I guess it's just the my end game is just to be true to myself and, and make music that I love it, because if I don't love it, I can't expect other people to love it. And it, it comes across that way. If it's not genuine to you, it's not going to be to other people. And like I was saying earlier to most ultimately to honor God with all of it. Yeah. The humility that you have, I got a lot of respect for you for that. And as you've mentioned, you're songwriter you've been able to write i'm not even sure hundreds of thousands of, of lyrics i'd love for you to share maybe right now ethan out of everything you've written what song are you most proud of and what lyric resonates with you the most and i know that's a hard thing to ask but i'm curious what what is that song and what is that lyric Right now, and it, it's not a terribly old song, but I wrote a song with a fellow named Mo Pitney last year. He was a phenomenal, he's one of my favorite singers and writers, period. But there, there's a song that I had written, started writing on Easter Sunday, probably, I don't know, that's 2024 now. So I guess of 22, I had started writing and I had heard a sermon on Facebook of all places. I don't know who he was. I don't even remember where the church was or anything like that, but he had just said he had shared a blurb and he was talking about all these things that kind of the irony of the situation of the crucifixion in general, they want to bring in people alive to make them suffer for as long as they can. And basically he kept, he'd make a couple points and he said they wanted him alive. And I was like, that's a cool title. And, and so I wrote some verses about it and forgot about it for a year. And this past Easter popped into my mind again. And I worked on it a little more and I, I reached out to Mo and asked him, I didn't tell him what it was. I just said, I have a song that I want to write with you. Usually I, when I think of song ideas, it, I immediately think of people that I want to write that song with. Mm. And, and so he popped into my mind for that. And we got together and, and wrote it and it is, it's my favorite. And I think it's the most important song I think I've ever written. And there's, it's not necessarily got a catchy chorus or anything. I'm trying to think of which lyric in it. it, it I'll just recite like a, a little bit of a verse. It starts out, it says 30 pieces were the bounty, bring him bound, but with his life, they wanted him alive. 40 stripes was known to kill a man, so they stopped at 39 because they wanted him alive. 
A crown of thorns thrust in his head while the blood ran in his eyes. He was whipped and beaten to the point he was hard to recognize, but they wanted him alive. And basically the song, as it progresses, goes through the different stages of that, different viewpoints of who wanted him alive for what reason. The second verse talks about how Pilate tried to steer their, get them to let him off and all that stuff. And through the visions of his wife, they wanted him alive. He bore a cross of man's own making while brothers and his mother cried. They wanted him alive. And and, uh, it says he gasped for air, cried and moaned through Rome's living hell. Then he laughed and spit, shook heads and said, if you're Christ, save yourself. And though he had all power, not once would he put up a fight because they wanted him, because he wanted them alive. He wanted them alive. Wow. And then ultimately when he does pass away from all that they put him through, Deep down in their hearts, whether they wanted to admit it or not, when they saw he was who he said he was, they wanted him alive. Beautiful, man. I often try to tap into where people get their courage, inner strength, whatever it may be. But, man, you and I both know that there's a whole lot of bigger and greater things working through you to allow those words to get on a page to get into someone's ear and i'm telling you right now that that song and those lyrics will get the good news heard and i'm really proud of you for finding a way to one have the humility to say i like to put myself around the right people when i'm writing these songs but two the depth and the meaning behind it what a what an unbelievable testimony, Ethan. That's uh, beautiful. And it leads me to one last question for you here, man, is that you've taken that, that, that risk going from your homeland to Nashville to having that comparison fight in your head to having a, a someone in a salmon shirt change, change your life. But we know really who was changing your life there. But take all of this moment and... Uh, Give a chance to reflect and go back to, I have a lot of high school kids that listen to this podcast and it's really my obligation to try to be like a coach I never had and to maybe give some advice to these 16, 17 year olds that I wish I knew when I was 16 or 17. So with with that said, knowing everything now at 27 years old, if you had a chance to go back to that Ethan Phillips in your homeland of Georgia and sit down with him at a coffee shop and give him some words of wisdom of the last 10 years and what you've learned, what would you tell him? Probably just to focus on what you do best and not try to be something that you're not. Don't like I wanted to, whether it's playing guitar or or just life in general, you strive to try to be like your heroes or, or, but the world already has a Brad Paisley or a James Taylor. They need a you there. Other than that, you'll just be a, a cheap version of, of what you could be that just strive to be the best you. And it took me a while. I'd heard stuff like that, but it, it takes, it's, sometimes it's not about hearing it. It's hearing it at the right time. And, and I'm, I get that because there's things that have been pounded in my head a million times and they never click until. 10 years down the road, but uh, most of all, just 
you have been created a certain way and you will reach people that nobody else can reach through your, whether it's through your personal experiences or what that may be. And so just really press into that. And because there, there's a reason that you are the way you are, whether you think you're flawed or not, eventually that will make sense and you'll know why. Either it's helping somebody else along the way or, or what that may be. Sometimes you may feel like you're alone in a situation and, and, but at, but at the same time, there's you know, dozens and hundreds of others that are going through that and they need somebody else to, to know that they have been through something similar. So it all has a purpose in the end, but it just might take a little time to see it. So just, that would probably be my advice to myself more than anything is just be yourself and be proud of it. I love it, man. I say often on the BTB project that impossible is nothing. What does that mean to you? Impossible is nothing. That's a good quote. Nothing is impossible. If you truly work at any, eventually you work at something long enough, it might feel like you're failing for a long time, but yeah, it's bound to cave the more you work at stuff. And I don't know. That's a good question. I I didn't study for that one. <laughs> I know you had a pretty good educational background with like graphic design. I figured that one wouldn't stump you too bad. Yeah. The, I don't want to give some cheesy answer for it. There you go. Maybe it's in the next lyrics of the next song, my man. No. <laughs> with that said, Ethan Phillips, man, how can we find you? How can we support you? I'd love you to tell the listeners a little bit more about some of your social media platforms and where people can find you. I have all the Facebook and my face and Twitter gram and <laughs> I can no, it's all at Ethan Phillips music, except for Instagram. I was trying to be cute and make it different. It's Ethan Phillips picks. Which is like fix a guitar and picture, but I should probably make them all the same. So they're cohesive. They, anyway, they, there's actually another guy. There's two Ethan Phillips musics, apparently. His is just titled Ethan, or mine's at Ethan Phillips music for the hand. Got His it. is Ethan Phillips music in the name. And obviously I guess it looks like me. And if you Google Ethan Phillips, there's apparently an actor that played Star Trek has, it's an alien and has horns. So hopefully I don't look like that. So I'm the one that doesn't look like that. Well, I'll definitely lead uh, the, the correct handle for your page in the podcast notes. And I recommend for those of you tuning in, got to check out Ethan's music, the golden voice. I'm incredibly proud of you. I love your heart. I know your family proud of you too. And I cannot thank you enough for spending a few minutes with me today on the BTB project. No, I, it's been an honor. I, Appreciate you having me more than you know. Awesome, man. Keep going. Best of luck, right? Thank you. Such a tremendous conversation with Ethan Phillips, being able to walk down his extraordinary journey, being a musician in that profound moment of having that moment of insecurity, having that moment of self-doubt, struggling with comparison, and a woman comes up in a salmon-colored shirt and says to him what he's capable of, what he should be confident in. And at the end of the day, 
that person ended up being somebody that was much greater than just a woman in a salmon-colored shirt. It's those types of stories that just inspire me. They encourage me that not all hope is lost. And even though Ethan had a difficult time in that moment, he was able to rise from the ashes, find his strength, and continue to move forward as a prolific musician in Nashville. His story was not only inspirational, but his heart, his enthusiasm, and compassion to want to help other people is something that I don't take lightly. Listen, if Ethan's story was something that inspired you, if you've been dealing with comparison, do me a favor, like and subscribe to the BTB Project. Better yet, shoot this episode to a family member, friend, or colleague, and tell them why it was important to you. It's this mission of positive message, of encouraging hope, and that truly impossible is nothing, is what allows this mission to continue to pay forward. As always, I'm proud of each and every one of you. And until next time, take care. Thirty pieces was the bounty Bring him bound but with his life They wanted him Forty stripes was known to kill a man So they stopped at thirty-nine So they wanted him alive A crown of thorns thrust in his head Till the blood ran in his eyes He was whipped and beaten to the point He was hard to recognize They wanted him Tried to pour their anger out on him for as long as they could. A quick death wouldn't serve their hate, no, it wouldn't satisfy. Avoid their souls starve to feel inside. They wanted him alive. tried to save him through the visions of his wife they wanted him alive he bore a cross of man's own making while brothers and his mother cried they wanted him They spit, shook heads, and said, If you're Christ, save yourself. But though he had all power, not once would he put up a fight, because he wanted them alive. He wanted them alive. Oh, 
They poured their anger out on him for as long as they could. But just like that Roman soldier who was there to pierce his side, anyone with half a heart would change their mind. And for three days and three nights after.